We're up to Perik Dalit, the fourth section of the Sima. Starts off with the words Vyuvanza will understand this. This refers to why does the Ben HaChacham use the term Eschem instead of Eisanu, which is what we finished off the last Eis. The last Eis, we said that the Ben HaChacham appreciates the Maisa of Mitzvahs, meaning the Kabbalah's all. Of mitzvahs. The fact that you have to do mitzvahs because Hashem said them, said to do them, he appreciates. But the Ben Achacham doesn't relate to the kavana of mitzvahs. He says, who am I to have kavana and mitzvahs? I have to do mitzvahs because Hashem said them. Not because of their specific details. We could sit next to him. I think he has. He does, but I look inside together. So the Maimir says, Vyuvanza will understand this. According to that which is explained in the above mentioned Maimar. Shegimel ha'inyanim da'edes chukim u'mishpatim heim b'chol ha'mitzvahs. This idea is an important idea which the Maimar is introducing. When we speak about Eides, Chukim, and Mishpatim, we're not just speaking about three different types of mitzvahs. Eides are mitzvahs like Shabbos. Mishpatim are mitzvahs like? Mishpatim. Oh, um, um, don't steal. Don't steal. Modesty. Modesty. Chukim are mitzvahs like? Shatnas. Paraduma. So that's three different types of mitzvahs, three different categories of mitzvahs, right? When we're speaking about Eidis, Chukam, Mishpat, we're not just speaking about three different categories of mitzvahs. We're speaking also in every single mitzvah. Let's read inside. Shegam ha mitzvahs, the Chukim, Umishpatim, the Christ, Beshem Eidis. Even the mitzvahs which are in the category of chukim, like the ones you've mentioned, or in the category of mishpatim, like the ones you've mentioned, are called edus. As it says in the pasuk, edus This word edus in this pasuk is referring to all mitzvahs, not just to the mitzvahs that are in the category of edus. Similarly, even logical mitzvahs, a mitzvah like 
or a mitzvah like Shabbos that after <coughs> it's given has some logical rhyme or reason to it, a connection, something which you could understand. Edis vafilu mishpatim. Edis, which are according to Tom after they're given, or even mishpatim, which ilule nitzna teira hayinu lemedim tznius minamala etc. That if the Torah had not been given, we would have learned the laws of Tznis on our own. But nevertheless, Hatam Hurak al The reason is only for the general mitzvah, not for the details of the mitzvah. The details of the mitzvah are in a way of It's a chayk. That means that even when you come to the mitzvah of Shabbos, for example. So the mitzvah of Shabbos has a, 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 an appreciation to it. We know what the mitzvah is about. We understand why we're supposed to rest on Shabbos. But... Why is the rest specifically Lamid Tes Melachis, 39 Melachis that you're not allowed to do? Why is flicking a switch on Shabbos considered a Melacha? Why is that considered not resting? It's Eidis. You should be able to appreciate it. But you don't. Because within Eidis, there's also an aspect of Chayk. And not only by Shabbos does that exist, it exists even by, for example, what you said earlier, not stealing, by Kibbut Ava'im. There are certain halachis which you're going to learn in Shulchan Aruch. The way that you're supposed to respect your parents. When you're supposed to not steal, how you're supposed to not steal. That they are a chayk. It's not something which is understood. You have to do it because that's what it says in Torah. Can you give an example, Rabbi? An example with stealing is where there is something that should belong to you. And in your mind, you're not stealing it from the other person. You're just taking it back. But in many situations, based on the parameters of the circumstance, in many situations, you're not allowed to do that. And you could argue that logically you should be able to. But the answer is no, you're not allowed to because it's a chayk. Because that's what it says in Torah. Similarly, when it comes to Kibbutz Aim. So there are laws of kibbutz aim. Sometimes even in situations where a person says logically there's no reason why in this circumstance <clears throat> this child should be respecting his parents. And also the other way. Sometimes where logically you may feel that it makes sense that there should be respect, Terry tells you no, you don't listen to your parents. 
And in these situations, you follow the halacha, even though kibud is a mishpat, it's a logical mitzvah. But being a logical mitzvah doesn't mean that all of its dictates are according to logic. It just means that the general mitzvah of kibud is something which can be understood logically. But within the mitzvah of kibud there's also an aspect of chayk. And similarly, valderech zehu benegel mishpatim. The same is true also with regard to Mishpatim, that even the mitzvah of Shatnas, for example, which doesn't make any sense, as we said earlier, why wool and linen? But the bottom line is that if you think deeply into it, you're able to appreciate on some level what the laws of shatnas represent and why the isser, the prohibition of shatnas exists. There is some appreciation that you're able to get. And you may even be able to get on some level, on the level of Remez, side. why specifically wool and linen should not intermesh. So within the mitzvah of a chayk, something which is completely not understandable, there's also a logic and an appreciation that exists as well. <clears throat> so the first thing that we have in front of us is that the three categories of Edes Chukum and Mishpatim interplay. They Within every chayk, there is edis and mishpatim. Within every edis, there is chukim and mishpatim. And within every mishpat, there are edis and chukim. Good? It's more than that, though. It's not just that there's an aspect of edis and chukim in mishpatim, etc. But that each of the mitzvahs has the energy in its performance that exists in the other categories of mitzvahs as well. We're going to explain that. What we're going to embark on Currently, is appreciating better what these three categories of mitzvahs are about. What's the objective of a mitzvah? What are you accomplishing with a mitzvah? When you perform a mitzvah, you're connecting to godliness. If there are three categories of mitzvahs, that means that there's three types of godliness that you connect to in the performance of mitzvahs. So we're going to start by identifying these three types of godliness, so to speak, that are accomplished through the performance of a mitzvah.
If you walk into a home, it's my home. It's my home. What does that mean? It means that on the bookshelves you're going to find my books. On the walls you're going to find paint that is my color. in the toy shelf, in the fridge, and so on and so forth, it's going to be things that are expressing me. Inasmuch as I have no control over any of these things, the tiles on the floor are broken. The walls are scratched or not yet painted, etc. That's not an expression of me. In fact, the more I have no control over the environment and the way that environment expresses itself, the more that home is not really my home anymore. When I go to a hotel room, even if it's a comfortable hotel, it's not my home. I didn't choose the painting. I didn't choose the furniture. I didn't choose the the colors, anything about it. It's not me. The less control I have over the environment, the less it's an expression of me. The objective of mitzvahs are to make this world a dira lo yisbarak. That this world should be Hashem's home. Every time Chanania, you do a mitzvah. You're expressing Abishter in this world. The more you express Abishter in the world, the more this becomes Hashem's home. The more mitzvahs you do, the more this world becomes a place where godliness is revealed, felt, tangible. <laughs> if Rahman al-Islam, a person does affairs, that's like the broken tiles and the unpainted walls and so on and so forth, those become circumstances which belie Hashem's presence. When Pari gets up and Pari says, I'm in control of my own destiny. 
<clears throat> or as they say, I'm a self-made man and I worship my creator. Right? No, I worship my creator. I'm a self-made man. I worship myself. Right? So in as much as I say that, I'm belying Hashem's presence in this world. So the objective of mitzvahs are to make this world into a dira loy yisbarach, a place where Hashem's presence is felt. But in Hashem's presence being felt, there are three types of Hashem's presence that are specifically communicated through mitzvahs. And if we look at the three types of mitzvahs, the three types of mitzvahs that we just said are very much interplayed, that each mitzvah has all of the aspects. But nevertheless, there are still these three types, the chukim, the edes, and the mishvatim. If we look at these three types of mitzvahs, then we'll be able to recognize the three types of energy, of abishter, of godliness that you draw into the world, that you reveal, that you uncover in the world through the performance of mitzvahs. But first, the Mimer is going to teach us about three different types, three different levels of godliness. And the idea is, the Begilu Yalekus Shal Yidea Mitzvahs, in the revelation of godliness that is accomplished through the performance of mitzvahs, there are gimel madregis bechlalos. There are three levels. Three levels of giluyalikus. One, there's or hamislabish ba'ilamais. There's the light that clothes itself inside of the worlds. The bechlalos who or hamimale. In general, it's the or hamimale, the light which fills the world. Then there's the Ur Shalamaila Mehislab Shusba Ilumis. Avil Shaykh Lailumis. There is the light which is higher than clothing itself in the worlds. But it has a relationship to the worlds. The Bihlalus who Ur Hasaviv. In general that's the Ur Hasaviv. And then there's the Atmus Ur in Saif Shalamaila Mishaikus Lailumis the essence of Hashem that's higher than having any connection to the worlds at all. There's a light that fills the world. There's a light that's higher than the world. And there's an essence. I'll use as an initial analogy a company. But uh, this analogy can be drawn in many different ways in many different circumstances. But let's take a company, a business, right? The owner of Walmart, what's his name? Sam Gashmius. Sam Gashmius. What? Sam Gashmius. His name has a W. Uh, Walton. Walton? I think so. Sam Walton, okay. So Sam Walton wants to have a store, 
right? Walmart. Belton is is Elamis, right? <laughs> Sam Walton wants to have a store. He wants to have a store at Walmart. No. He has a vision. His vision is that across America, in every easily accessible intersection, there should be at least a Walmart. If not a Walmart superstore, etc. In Maristan, there's also a Walmart, right? This is part of his vision. Now, there's different <coughs> levels over here. <coughs> there's the Maristown Walmart. Inside of the Maristown Walmart itself, there are levels of Ur Hamimale and Ur Hasevev. The Ur Hamimale of the Maristown Walmart is the functioning of Maristown Walmart according to its level. Meaning that when you walk into Maristown Walmart, you should make sure that the products that you need are on the shelves. They're available, they're accessible. It's easy to walk around, it's easy to find. The bathrooms are clean. Um, the cashiers are available at their stations. The, the aisles are ready to take customers. All of this is part of the Ur Hamimali. Right? All of this is part of making sure that there is that practical function of Maristown Walmart. Then there's an Ur HaSeviv. What's the Ur HaSeviv? The Ur HaSeviv is what makes you feel when you walk into Maristown Walmart that you're in a Walmart store and not a Walgreens. How do you know you're in Walmart, not Walgreens, as soon as you see it? Even if you would not see the Walmart sign on the door, you would know you're in Walmart. Why? Because there's an Ur HaSeviv, there's an energy which unites this Walmart to all of the global Walmarts in the global vision of Sam Wharton. Walton. Felton. Sam Gash. They used to find his sights flying an airplane. Sorry, what? Yankel, Yankel was flying. Used to go. I'm just. Uh, there was an interview I remember from from the 1980s, and he would fly a plane around the country himself as the pilot. And if it had two things in town, he would build a Walmart. The two things it needed was a church and a uh, McDonald's. If it had a church and a McDonald's, and both are visible from flying a plane. He would build a, that was his simple <laughs> method of building up the chain. No, so Yanko, when you're flying your plane, what are you looking for? Uh, what do I look for? I look for blue skies, <laughs> sunny days, and, and, uh, and uh, happy days. And, but every time I do go into towns and I get lower down when I'm landing, I, I think of Sam Walton looking for the churches <laughs> and the McDonald's. So, so Yankel's going to take us on a class trip as a session, right? Um, no problem. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Okay. 
we're going to go line up in the airport and the uncle will take us in his plane. We're going to look for Chabad houses, exactly. The truth is that there was an, an expression that the Rebbe said, that the Rebbe wants the Chabad houses around the world to be like a chain store. I don't know which chain the Rebbe referred to at the time, but to be like a chain store that you walk into a Chabad house. It doesn't matter where you are. Across the world, you walk into Chabadas, you feel like you're in a Chabadas. In the same way you walk into a Walmart, you feel like you're in a Walmart. But that's like an Ur HaSeviv. So it fits into what Yankel just described, his vision, that every town that has a, 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 a house of worship and a Trefe restaurant should have a Walmart in it. But there's the Ur HaSeviv, the general energy. You're in Walmarts. You've just come to Walmart. Welcome to Walmart. And then there is Atzmis. But before we get to Atzmis, let's talk about the Ar Hamimali and the Ar HaSeviv for a moment. When we're speaking about this Ar Hamimali and Ar HaSeviv, so could you imagine walking into a Walmart and seeing Sam Velton standing over there by the door? Saying Shalom Aleichem, welcome to Walmart. <laughs> or seeing him in the bathrooms cleaning the 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 floor. So it's not his role. He doesn't belong over there. It's not just that it's not his role. You're right. You're hundred percent right that it's not his role. But it's more than not his role. In other words, in the store itself. You have different people that fulfill different roles. There's a Walmart greeter, there's a Walmart cleaner, there's a Walmart cashier, there's a Walmart manager, v'chulu v'chulu. Within the store, you have different people filling different roles. That's Ar HaMemale. In Ar HaMemale, you have different levels. You have levels Ar HaMemale, that's a stone, levels Ar HaMemale, that's a tree, levels Ar HaMemale, that's a, a lion, a leopard, levels of Ar HaMemale, that's a person. That's different levels of Ar HaMemale. That means within the store you have different roles. And you're 100% right, Shalom, it's not his role. But it's more than not his role. He doesn't belong there. It's not just that he has a role which is different. He's supposed to be the cashier, not the cleaner, not the greeter. He has a role which is beyond this specific store. Maristown Walmart doesn't really make a difference within the global vision of Sam Wharton, which is probably why it's such a lousy Walmart, but that's a different story. Right? Mm. You've been to better Walmarts. There's a letter to the editor we should write to Sam Velton about his Maristown Walmart. Maybe he'll approve it. But he he doesn't really care about Maristown Walmart per se. Because Maristown Walmart per se is only the Arham and Mali. There's an Arham Sevev, which is much greater than anything that Maristown Walmart itself can express, can bring across. When he sits and he has all of these bits and pieces in his map of everywhere he has a Walmart in America. Although Maristown Walmart is one of those little red pegs, but it doesn't stand out as its own Metzius 
the way that it does to you and I. There's many different ways to bring across this muscle, and within each muscle, it'll come across a little bit differently. Let's take, for example, mathematics. My worst subject. But my father-in-law's a mathematician. My luck. Mathematics. Mathematics is an abstract, deep, powerful logic. It's a powerful logic. It's an MS, a truth, which is true everywhere and all the time. You walk into kindergarten and you teach children numbers. One, two, three, four, five. You're teaching them numbers. Even I could count that part. But only in Yiddish, Rabbi. <laughs> you're teaching them numbers. You're teaching them mathematics, right? And in every single world, in every single part of the world, whether it's in a place where they learn it in English, whether it's in a place where they learn it in Yiddish, in Hebrew, in Arabic, in Portuguese. It doesn't matter where you are. People speak Portuguese. <laughs> um, <laughs> they count to five. One, two, three, four, five. In whatever language it is, it's the same, it's true, it's MS. So you have a kindergarten child who says, I got it. I know mathematics. I got it. I know how to count to five. <coughs> Remember, as a kid, I had a comic of a convict getting out of prison and shouting, I'm free, I'm free. And the little kid standing nearby and he says, what's the big deal? I'm four. <laughs> Every single child that could count to five, he started math. But does he understand mathematics? He has the Ur Hamimale on his level of math. But the greatest mathematician in the whole entire world has still not grasped the most essential levels of mathematics that are beyond grasp. They could sit their entire lifetime and study math, and there's still ideas within numbers and mathematics that elude them. That's an Ur HaSeviv. That's, on each level, you have kindergarten math, grade one math, grade eight math, high school math, university math. You have different levels of math. That's Ur HaMemale. You have the professor's math and the greatest mathematician's math. That's an Ur HaMimale. And in Ur HaMimale, each one has, like we said earlier, its role, its position, its level. And each level, that's an Ur HaMimale, which you could relate to on that level. But then there's an Ur HaSeviv. There's an essential energy of math that... The greater of a mathematician you are, the more you're able to relate to. Because as far as I'm concerned, math doesn't 
really go much past two plus two is five. I got it wrong. No, no, I'll get it right one day. Um, as far as I'm concerned, math doesn't go much beyond that. But a mathematician, he understands and appreciates numbers. He appreciates mathematics. And in his appreciation of mathematics, he knows that there's something greater. He knows that there's something bigger. There's something larger than just the simple math or complicated math that human beings can comprehend in their brains. There are essentials of mathematics that go completely outside of anything that we're able to connect to. That's an ur hasseviv. And again, we can bring many mishalim for this, just like we did now, two different mishalim. And in each mashal, there'll be a different angle of it, which maybe will become more appreciated. But we... We can't just sit the whole day going through Mishalom. This concept of our Mimali and our Seviv, they're very basic concepts in every single thing that exists. Everything that exists needs an Aram and Mali and an Aram Seviv. It sounds like the or Seviv is like the commonality, the connecting force between them. To a certain degree it is. To a certain degree, our hasaviv is. But for our purposes, our hasaviv means that if I properly appreciate mathematics, I know that there's something bigger than the math. If I properly appreciate a company, I know when I walk into a store, there is something bigger than all of the pieces that put that store together. There's a vision. There's an appreciation. And that's the our hasaviv. But yes, it is a certain commonality that pulls all of the pieces together because the Ar HaSeviv is greater than any of this specific pieces. The objective of mitzvahs is to make the Abishters home this world. Through mitzvahs we accomplish that. Through mitzvahs we bring godliness into the world. In the world there are different levels of godliness. There's Arhamimale and Arhaseviv. Arhamimale in the world means that if there is a stone, you know that someone is giving energy and life and existence to that stone. If there's a tree, if there's a leopard, if there's a person, Everything that exists inside of the world, you know that there must be a source of its existence. It doesn't just come about. For example, the Urhamimale of my body, of my being, of my person, is the way that my eye sees, my pinky moves and feels, my heart pumps, my liver gets destroyed by mashka. Every single thing inside of me has a specific function, something that it's supposed to accomplish, something that it's supposed to do. That's the Urhamimale. But 
To put it very simply and succinctly, I am not the sum total of my parts. I am not me because I have eyes that see. I am not me because I have blue eyes. Rahman al-Litzlan, a person whose eyes do not see, is also him. I'm not me because of the sum total of my parts. Me is greater than any part of me. We can have, nowadays, miraculously, heart transplants. You could take the heart that is currently in my body or in a person's body, out of his body and put a different heart in its place and he's still he. Because he's not his heart. His heart does not define who he is. The he is greater than that. That's the Oran Seviv. When you look at me, you see immediately my Orham Imale. You see the parts of me. You see my intellect, my emotions. You see how I express myself, how I behave. You see the Orham Imale of me. The way that you're, that's what you're able to touch. That's what you're able to see. That's what you're able to observe. The Orham Seviv of me that you know that it exists. Because if you see me, you know that there must be an Arhasevev. In the way that a proper mathematician appreciates that if these principles of mathematics exist, there must be a greater logic as well, which we cannot comprehend. And the more a person thinks that he can comprehend mathematics, the more it shows that he doesn't really get anything about math. The more a person understands the Urham Mali of math, the more he'll appreciate that there's an Urha Seviv as well. Right? Now the Mimer is going to explain, we're going to read soon, that the Urham Mali and the Urha Seviv are represented in two different types of mitzvahs that we do. The Ur is in the Mishpatim that we do. The Ur HaSeviv is in the Chukim that we do. Hmm. When we do Mishpatim, what are Mishpatim? Mishpatim are mitzvahs that make sense. What does it mean that a mitzvah makes sense? It means what? You know the why. If you're you know the why. You're able to observe it. You're able to appreciate it. It fits into our world. It shows itself. This is a rock. This is a animal. This is a tree. This is etc. It fits into our world. It makes sense. It feels right. It feels just. You look at. From Yiddin, and you say, look how beautiful the life of a from Yiddin is in compared, com, in contrast to the life of uh, people who aren't following Torah and Mitzvahs. 
you're able to see and appreciate and recognize the beauty and the wisdom and the accomplishment of mitzvahs in our world. That's an Arham Mimale. But in as much as you're able to recognize and feel and appreciate Abishter, godliness, in our world, you should also, the more you appreciate it, be able to appreciate that there is a godliness which is beyond our world. Obviously, the Abishter is not the sum total of the parts of this world. What this world connotes, what this world transmits, what this world represents does not capture Abishter. The Abishter is higher than all of it. There's a vision. And that vision is what brings the world into existence. There's a physical world. There must be a spiritual world deeper than the physical world. A world of Asiya Ruchnis. And then Yetzira. And then Bria. And then Atzilus. There must be a deeper, deeper spiritual world that exists within the world that we're able to observe and touch and recognize and appreciate. That's the choyk. Some mitzvahs we do because we can understand them and appreciate them. Don't steal and respect your parents, etc. Some mitzvahs we do because the Abishter who created the world and told us not to steal told us to do this as well. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our appreciation. Don't wear shatnas. Why not? Because Hashem said. Because Hashem said. And Hashem is not the sum total of my understanding. He must not be. He doesn't fit into my life, my reality, my world in a way that he can be completely expressed over there. Because then he would just be like me and you. If he fits into me. And he's not. He's greater than me. He's God. And if he's God, he has to be outside of my Arhamimale, my understanding. And then there's Etsem. There's the essence. The essence which goes beyond anything. The essence in which even the vision doesn't really make a difference. The essence in which, if we go back to our Sam Velton, Marshall, if Sam Velton suddenly became the owner of Walgreens instead of Walmart, and Walmart disappeared off the face of the map, he would still be Sam Velton. Sam, I am. Do you have green eggs and whatever? <laughs> Right? Okay, I think that I uh, stretched your minds enough for today. I'll leave it at here and we'll continue tomorrow. Is there a way of saying that Kul can have a bigger accomplishment than, than Mishbatim? For example, like, it, it would sound that way.
But we know it can't be true, and that's where the Edis come in. That's where the Etzim comes in. But that's an excellent question. An excellent question. Why don't we look for the For what? For the trip? But that's exactly what they said. We're going to look, we're going to go over uh, a, a place, we're going to see anywhere they have what's a good Jewish place that uh, the, the, the sign that there are a lot of Jews. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to look for a certain landmark and then build Chabad houses over there. Bingo. <laughs> anywhere that has a bingo. So, go ahead. Who decided that uh, a certain mitzvah belongs to a certain Because, like, for one person, something makes sense, for another person, that doesn't make sense. And also, so like, that's within each mitzvah. You know, yeah. Within each mitzvah, there are the different aspects. Yeah, like we say that, let's say, a tefillin is a remembrance. That's clearly what it is. Yeah, but. represents something. If it represents something, then it is an ice, it's a sign. That's what a representation is. It's a sign. It shows something. Now, the fact that film have to be square and black and not round and pink. I much prefer round and pink tefillin, no? It's very... Uh, if you if tefillin were round and pink, you'll get another 100,000 people in the world to put on tefillin. At least, if not more. But that, that's a chayk. Yeah, but let's say there is a choik that we cannot understand, but then a great rabbi comes and says... I'll explain this to you. So that really does make sense. That's correct. Can can it transfer to another category? It's not that it's transferring to another category. Essentially, it's still a choik, but now the choik is something which through a lot of yigiyah, a lot of effort, you were able to see a glimpse of, an appreciation of. And that's because chayk and mishpatim are ultimately different levels within one. That mishpat is what you understand, chayk is what you don't understand. So if you don't understand it because it's greater than logic, then if you work harder, expand your logic somehow, you'll be able to understand it too. It doesn't become a mishpat now, but at least you're now getting a glimpse of what that chayk is about. Edis, that's not possible. Edis is deeper than that. There's way to give an explanation, but you will never know the actual reason why we don't in meet and dairy together. Somebody can explain it, it's for health, whatever, but... Not, not health. Somebody could explain the real, like, the, how meat represents gvura and milk represents chesed and mixing chesed and gvura together is an atom bomb. It's an but explosion. That's, that, but that's, uh, it's true. It's true, okay. But even being true, that not doesn't important. now say, okay, so I'm not going to mix chesed and gvura, but I'll mix meat and milk without chesed and gvura. I'll put chicken into the mix. Wow. Okay, we'll, we'll continue with Hashem tomorrow. Take care. Have a great day, Yankel. I'm looking forward to the plane ride. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Did you say that the um the what it sounds like?